My name is Owen Walsh, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cabin Fever. Less a podcast and a group therapy session for writers, brewers, and friends from around the world who like to enjoy a beer together, but can't for now. We'd love to hear from listeners out there how you're getting on, what you're doing to cope, and what you're drinking. So feel free to get in touch on social media. You can find me at Owen Walsh, or you can send me an email at owen at beercity.brussels. I'd love to hear from you. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. I'm delighted to be joined on the latest episode of Cabin Fever by three wonderful guests, two of which are returning guests, and one doesn't know what she's about to get herself involved in. Um, first up is Claire Bullen, editor of Good Beer Hunting, author of The Beer Lover's Table Cookbook, uh, resident in London but originally from the US. Hi, Claire. How are Hello. you doing? I'm doing okay today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, next up is Lily Waite, a guest on the very first ever episode of Cabin Fever, coming back for a second time around. Lily is an author, uh, an artist, a ceramicist. She's multi-talented and delighted to have her on the show. Hi, Lily. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. And rounding out our quartet, is that the right word? I was going to say quadruple, but that's not quite right. <laughs> rounding out our, our quartet for this evening is Katie Mather, um, writer in all the best beer magazines out there and author of the Gulp newsletter, which goes out every week, normally on Thursdays. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Hi, yeah. I'm, I'm all right. I think that's good. my usual response to that question at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we can psychoanalyze that in greater detail in a minute. Oh, good. Um, oh, good. Uh, as we usually do at the beginning of the episode, uh, we're just going to go around the room. Going to ask everybody how they're doing and what are they drinking. So, Claire, as the first, as as this is your first episode, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I'm doing okay. I think I'm actually in kind of a an ebullient mood today. I think my my quarantine moods have been totally all over the place. I think Katie, we were talking about it, but. You know, you have three good days and then one where the gravity of it hits you again and you're like in this kind of fetal crouch of terror. But right (laughs) now I'm having a good day (laughs) Um, and I'm drinking a really good beer, which actually is contributing to my day. Um, It is Big Foam, which is a so-called rustic lager made by Don Zoko Brewing Company. Um, And it was canned yesterday and it arrived on my doorstep this morning and it is just an absolute frothy delight. Um, So my day is going pretty well now. That's good. And uh, this podcast is just the perfect ending to it then, isn't it? Indeed. Okay. Well, Lily, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I'm all right. Um, I think this is the first week where I've started to dip um, since lockdown began because I managed to keep myself quite busy with bits and bobs of work and various different things. Um, but this week, I think I've just started to lose motivation and just sort of flounder, I think. Um, and today has just been a bit of a, a flump um, and hay fever's kicking in. So I'm coughing and sneezing sort of every five seconds. Um but as you pointed out, at least it's coughing and sneezing for hay fever and not for the other reason. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I guess I'm all right. Um, I mean, it could be worse. I've got a delicious beer with me. Um, it's a Saison called Saison Detra by Stockholm Brewing Co. Um, okay. Which my friend Ollie gave me at People Like Us's uh, Social Revolution by Beer Festival in Copenhagen right before lockdown began. Um, cool. So it's a nice sort of callback to a time when things were only slightly horrible, not entirely horrible. 
Oh, I can barely remember those days. Um, <laughs> and we can maybe get into talking about, you know, what's been, you know, what's been causing the malaise or, or how you're dealing with it. But I just want to check in with Katie, ask her how she's doing and what she's drinking. Hi, I'm all right today. I, um, I actually managed to get a little bit of writing done today, <laughs> which is a first for like the past few weeks. I've had a bit of writer's block, I think. Um, I'm drinking a Donzoku as well, um, but I've got the Northern Hells. It is delicious. I, I promise the podcast isn't sponsored by Donzoku, <laughs> just to be clear. No, it's, uh, I just um, I got some uh, this week as well. So yeah, I'm just kind of like, I'm not trying to drink it all as fast as I can, but that seems to be what's happening. <laughs> well, if it's good enough, you might as well just drink it until it's gone. Well, that's I think it. everyone's bought Donzoku this, this week, haven't they? A potential, like, I placed yeah. an order yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good. I think everyone was buying it and I was just caught, kind of caught up in the excitement of, <laughs> of all of that. Yeah, I think and I was the same. Are they not packaging in like uh, deli meats and other things with it in order to entice people further in? Yeah, Their website are. is, yeah. Are there, uh, it's, so Donzoka is a one-man operation run by a guy called Reese Hugel. Uh, up in Hartlepool and um, yeah he teamed up with a bunch of other local uh, small businesses for his web shop so yeah there's some charcuterie people Um, I don't really remember what else but I I was very tempted to add some like sausage or salami to my order but he is packaging each box with um, I think a crisp (laughs) of choice <laughs> so I got, I got what are they time. called? Bacon frazzles? Is that what they're called? Some English person yeah, frazzles. me. Frazzles, yeah. I've literally never had them before, but they look tasty, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, they're fucking delicious. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It all sounds it all sounds I do looking on looking online, I do sort of regret living in a country where the internet for most breweries is sort of an a foreign concept, or at least online sales. Mm. But um after after this podcast, we can invoice Reese for the free advertising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but before before we kick off the sort of discussion for this evening or for the podcast today, uh, I might as well say what I'm drinking because I usually forget. I uh, pulled out a Cantillon Creek out of my uh, fridge, ooh, which is quite fresh actually. It was only bottled in November, so it's nice and juicy and fruity and tart and sour in all the right ways. Uh, and uh, I'm surviving. I think that's probably the best describes my mood at the moment. Why don't we dive into it? Uh, Lily, maybe we can start with you because I read your article this week about uh, online communities and I thought it was really interesting. Maybe you can, and how they're dealing with, um, you know, lockdowns and how that has helped you in the past. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, so that piece kind of began life in a weird way back in September in Denver. Um, I did an interview with uh, my and Claire's boss, Michael Kaiser, who's been on this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, And we were talking about all sorts of things and I think innovation and it came up, we just started talking about uh, spaces and sort of safe spaces for different marginalised communities. Um, And I talked about how Tumblr was really important when I was a a lonely teenager to find uh, people in the trans community. Um, And then I pitched Claire an article about um, how the beer world is sort of, sorry, uh, surviving through finding community online and everything uh, that sort of goes with that. Um, And Claire sort of nudged me in the right direction and said, well, why don't you pair these two ideas together? Um, And then it really hit me how the sense of familiarity uh, that I've been seeing and feeling with 
how beer is uh, switching to online communication more than meeting in the pub and everything and things like this, how that familiarity is coming from a place of, or coming from my experience um, as like a 16 year old using a weird blogging site to feel less alone. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting crossover. Um, I don't like the fact that you're referring to yourself as being 16 not too long ago because you make me feel incredibly old. Hey, that was nine um, years ago. I'm not, nine years. I'm not oh, that fresh okay. I'm only 25. Okay. Only 25. <laughs> best, is, best, best years ahead of you. That's what I keep telling myself anyway. Claire, I mean, we're lucky enough to have the edit, the, uh, both the writer and the editor of the piece on the show. Claire, what did you think when, when, when it was first pitched to you and when you first got a chance to read it? Uh, well, yeah, when the, when the draft first arrived, um, I really think I was in the middle of something else, but I was really curious, so I kind of skimmed through it really quickly. And even on that first really kind of, um, you know, fast perusal, I was struck by um, just what a, what a beautiful story it was. Um, I was really impressed by the way that Lily was able to interrogate uh, and talk very openly about some of the darkest moments in her life or youth um, and really lay them out in a way that was powerful and engaging. Um, and then to ultimately draw that really unexpected parallel between trans communities on Tumblr 10 years ago versus the whole beer industry online right now in 2020. Um, you know, there's a whole slew of essays coming out um, about our responses to coronavirus and quarantine. And I think a lot of them risk being kind of samey, but this was a narrative that I had definitely never come across anywhere else. Um, and Lily told it so well, so beautifully, um, you know, didn't really make many changes at all uh, to the first draft and what you see published is very much just Lily's work on the page. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it was just a privilege that we were able to share that story. Um, and Claire, how is it now reporting out? Because um, you're working for Good Beer Hunting. There's been a lot of reporting. There's been a lot of work being done on sort of COVID. How are you managing that? And how are you like? What what are you looking? What 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 stories are interesting you interesting you right now? It's interesting because I think like so many other publications, we've had to completely reevaluate our calendar, our approach, our strategy, our timeline pretty much everything right now. Um, there are so many stories that we commissioned even, you know, a month and a half ago that are no longer relevant at all. And sorry, there's like a helicopter that's chosen to hover directly above my house right at this time. It's like it knew. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's there's a really dark, sad side of this because as we know, the beer industry is being absolutely walloped by the quarantine and the virus um, and the forecasts are all looking pretty dire um, in countries all over the place. I guess everyone's individual situation is different, but in, in no country that I know of, is it sort of thriving? Um, so a lot of those stories that we had previously commissioned or had in the works are about businesses and bars that may no longer survive or may not even exist by the time this period ends. Um, so there's a real kind of tragic aspect in this kind of reshuffling we've been forced to do. Um, we very much have shortened our timeline. So instead of planning out, you know, four or five months ahead, we're now planning kind of month by month and taking it as it comes. Um, this is a situation that will continue to evolve and change, and we need to be as responsive as possible. Um, 
the way that I talked about it with Michael Kaiser um, and the rest of our editorial team when we were first beginning this planning was just um, we wanted the site to still be responsive and we wanted Good Beer Hunting to still be a place where people could find relevant, timely stories. Um, We didn't want it to be a kind of sleepwalking entity. So we didn't want to just carry on as normal. So the result of that has been kind of an even split between articles uh, that directly address coronavirus or the quarantine, uh, like Lily's piece. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to publish quite responsive pieces with tight turnarounds that really can capture the present zeitgeist. But then at the same time, we're looking at more evergreen stories, um, stories that offer some much needed escapism. So the piece that just went out today, um, Adrian Tierney Jones's profile of Adnams Brewery in Suffolk. That was kind of a a dose of escapism we wanted to supply. Um, Mm -hmm. Adams is a pretty hardy brewery. It's been around since 1872. Um, It feels kind of timeless in a lot of ways. And the the story was shot by um, a really talented photographer, Sean, who works for us. Um, And he just really captured this kind of incredible old beach town ambiance. and the, the photos are so vibrant and candy colored that each one just feels like a, a piece of chocolate in a box of chocolate or something. They're just <laughs> delicious. So, we're yeah, we're trying to strike that very delicate balance of thread the ne- needle between what's timely and relevant and what people might actually want to read once they have kind of hit the wall on the coronavirus content. And how, how are you doing in terms of hitting the wall? Like you said, you're quite a boolean today, which is good. We enjoy ebullience. Um but, you know, I know other days are a bit more challenging. Like, how are you dealing with the the ups and downs? It really comes in waves, I think. Um, I think it helps because the first two weeks of this situation were the worst for me, partly because I think I, I had the coronavirus then. Luckily, a very mild case. But, you know, I had the fever and the cough and loss of smell and taste and all the kind of classic symptoms. So... Those first two weeks I spent in a like very sad days on the couch. Um, And then obviously, you know, there's all the upheaval personally, professionally, you know, you start wondering if you're going to be able to even see your family at Christmas, which for me would mean flying 3000 odd miles over the Atlantic. Um, Yeah. So you start having those, you go to a, a sort of dark place in your, in your mind and start kind of living out those worst case scenario fantasies. Um, with a, a dose of terror scrolling on Twitter, and then you just wind up in a, a deep, dark hole. So I've been trying to avoid that as much as possible. Um, I've been throwing myself into cooking projects, which is a reliable distraction. I've been still doing some work, which is a blessing. Um, been going on long walks with my boyfriend in the evenings, which has been nice. Um, yeah, drinking just you know, um, inexcusable quantities of beer and wine. Um, and now I've decided we, I have, um, I have a really small, really crummy cement balcony off my kitchen to call it a balcony is even really kind of exaggerating it. It's, it's less than two square meters, but I've lately decided that I'm going to spruce this up and make it some kind of place I can hang out in the sun. So I've now kind of adopted this DIY dad persona. So we'll see where that takes me. Katie, I know you're sitting quietly there and I, I, I want to bring you in as well. Um, I know we talked when you were on the last show about, you know, the challenges of being creative and writing and whether it all makes any sense. But as you were saying at the beginning of the show, 
you started writing again today. How did that feel to get down and get some words on the page? It's kind of it's good and it's bad. Um, I've been I've been really excited every time I've woken up recently and thought, oh, I feel like I could write something today. It's been like a, a rare sensation because for a good few weeks I've just ha- not had that part of my brain engaged. It just hasn't been happening for me. Um, but sort of the past week or so, I've been tentatively kind of creeping up to my laptop as if it's like a scared animal and trying to get some words down before it runs away again um and that seems to be working for me but if I'm staying at it too long I find that the content starts getting really doomy by accident (laughs) so (laughs) it's like why I could be writing about anything but I've chosen to write about the current situation in not that in not so many words so I think I'm just still having to have a lot of breaks um, and sort of walk away when it's not working instead of like punishing myself for not getting to a certain word count because my usual way of working is I have set times of the day and I have certain sort of word counts I like to get to um I've had to totally change that um approach but it's not it's not affecting me too negatively at the moment because um I mean, this sounds like a negative thing, but like I lost pretty much all of my copywriting clients as soon as this happened. Uh, But that does mean that there's a lot of less pressure on me to get stuff done um, because I don't think I'd be able to do that work at the moment anyway. Um, So while I'm in the house, I'm just trying not to spend money, (laughs) which is hard. (laughs) You know, like you're just on your phone at night and you're like, oh, look at this on eBay. I'll just buy this. So um, really trying to rein that back and just try and actually get some projects finished that were my own thing, like short stories and stuff that was on the back burner. Um, That sounds really sort of like, even to myself, that sounds very... um, I know it's not going to happen. Let's put it that way. But I can try. I can like imagine. I can keep the tab open. <laughs> it might happen at some Look, it's point. Better to have the plans and to not go through with exactly, them than to not have the plans yeah, at that's all. It. Paraphrase Shakespeare, I think, um, <laughs> very very poorly. But you actually, uh, you uh, a short story you written recently was you submitted it for a competition and it was shortlisted, if I understand correctly. Or they're going to publish it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it didn't win or anything. Like, it's not a big deal. Hey. Um, Yo, it is totally a big deal. Oh, my God. Yeah, come on. Which Who who, who the rest of the four of us have had any fiction published? I don't know. <laughs> don't put me on the spot. Um, it, yeah, it's, it was actually pretty exciting because I've not really touched fiction for years. I'm, I'm going to say about a decade. Um, so end of last year, I was like, do you know what? I'm really going to try and have a bash at this again. Um, and I submitted a piece to a competition and it's it was shortlisted and it's going to be published later in the year in the anthology of this company that did the com- competition. So it's like not a huge thing, but I think it's a really good start. And it's something I've been like trying to get other people to try and do as well, because the deadlines of these competitions give you something to work towards. Yeah. Um, and even though you might not really have any ideas for their particular um topic that they want you to write about or something like that it's just it's good to have it ticking over in the back of your head when there's nothing else happening which for me was good because I had super bad writing block anyway um so it, it was just there and I had to do it and I did it so yeah that's great you're gonna have to share it with us at some point whenever it is published at some point when it comes out yeah I'm not allowed obviously to to share it um because that would take 
that kind of take away the point <laughs> I think for yeah the, of course, them. Of course. Um, I mean I would share it now if I could but um, yeah I'll let everyone know I think it was funny what you were saying about I mean how writing is just you, you know inescapably kind of coming back to the situation I saw somebody tweet quite funnily on, uh, on on online today that a lot of books are going to be based in 2019. <laughs> a lot of books being written right now are going to be based in 2019 because it's just impossible to write anything contemporary at the moment oh, without it yeah. inevitably, you know, circling back to Absolutely. The virus. And I don't think that's anyone's fault. And I mean, obviously, everyone's going to want to write their own version of this. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, is there? Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of people um, who are kind of already saying like oh god I can't wait for all of the books about the quarantine to come out and stuff um I was thinking like a lot of people aren't creating stuff about it for that reason it's like putting them off because people are already being snark like pre-snarky about content that doesn't mm. even exist yet um which I'm finding quite weird actually and it's putting me off doing stuff as well because I'm thinking like oh is that too is that too virus <laughs> is this too virus <laughs> um but then I heard um I was actually listening to the radio today and I heard um, Jarvis Cocker's new song and it's about being in lockdown. And I was like, this is actually what I needed right now. So maybe I did need some content that was actually about the time that I'm in. I thought that's exactly what I didn't want, but maybe I did. If it was from Jarvis Cocker, maybe. I was just going to say, if it was from Jarvis Cocker, probably <laughs> you're not going to go yeah. too wrong. Something, uh, we had Stu McKinley from Yeasty Boys on the show uh, earlier on in the week, and one of the things that he was contemplating or had been contemplating a lot was, like, the things that we, the one thing that we feel like we're missing right now. Um, the conversation then on Tuesday's show inevitably circled back to the pub, but for, for, for you three, is there is there something that, that you've noticed, you know, in the last few weeks that you're really missing? Not necessarily something you want to go back to, but something that you've noticed that you sort of is, is a gap in your lives right now. I think um, the obvious thing is pottery. Uh, because... Of course, yeah. So I got into pottery properly about a year ago, I think. Uh, it was sort of April when I started the course um, that I learned on. And then I fell in love with it pretty quickly and then got to a point where I was selling stuff. Um, and it made up not a huge percentage of my income, but some of it. Um, and just before everything went into lockdown, uh, I was still going to pottery and it was just a bit weird because obviously you've got to dip your hands into glaze and share bowls of liquid and all sorts of things with other people. So there yeah. was a, a really weird, um, tension, I think in the studio, uh, where I work, but then I would much rather have that weird tension and sort of awkwardness than no pottery whatsoever. Um, I think yeah. there there are some potters who are still working because they have studios just around the corner from them and they can exercise, like do their government-sanctioned exercise to get there and back um, and work on their own. But there's no way I can really work in my kitchen. Um, yeah. And it's it's become, since I sort of stopped painting when I left uni and haven't really done much fine art, um, pottery's become one of my main methods of creative expression. And... I really miss it. I find myself getting quite sad just thinking about making cups and bowls and things. And I, I saw a, an Instagram post from a potter that I really like, and I just started crying because I wanted to get back to the wheel. Um, oh, so I think, yeah, I've just been holding cups as though I'm making them and sort of, <laughs> and it sucks because I just finished Claire's plates. Claire ordered a bunch of plates from me um, and I just finished them before all of this happened. 
So they're they're stuck in Peckham, sadly. Oh, I'm so excited to get them. That's going to be like the happiest day. Yeah. Hopefully it's soon. Um, I really hope so. But yeah, that's probably the thing I'm yeah missing most. And have you have you ideas? Like, have you are is you are you feverishly thinking of things that you want to make once you get behind the wheel? Uh, I think so. I was also just about to launch a new sort of not I would. I wouldn't say range, but like a a few new pieces um, were going to go live on my website. So I'm looking forward to getting back and making those. Like I've been refining pasta bowls and different kinds of plates and all sorts of things that I was really excited about. And then I've just sort of had to look at the prototypes at home and think one day, one day. Yeah. And when that day comes, we'll flood you with orders. So don't worry. I hope so. That'd be nice. (laughs) And what about you, Claire? Oh, man. I mean, I miss all the typical things that everyone misses. I miss pubs. I miss bars. I miss restaurants. Uh, I miss my family who are very far away, as I've said. Um, I miss travel and planning for future trips and just the kind of intangible thing of having something to look forward to. Um, But maybe the thing I miss most, actually, is just being able to walk out of my door and not be so hyper aware of my body and where it is spatially at any given time. <laughs> yeah. Um, every time, cause I've been doing socially distance walking as a way to kind of exercise and blow off steam. Um, yeah. And for the first 30 seconds to a minute of leaving my house, which is in central London. So, you know, there's always lots of people around. Um, as soon as I leave my flat, um, I kind of I don't remember right away that I'm supposed to be not near other people. So I might kind of breezily pass by a few people on the sidewalk and then get some kind of dirty looks I'm like, ah, OK, right. Yes, this is the the thing now. Um, I just miss a time when we weren't all so suspicious of each other. Um, I miss not having to wear a mask and I miss uh you know, not seeing every approaching human as a threat or something to be avoided or as, you know, I feel like we're seeing fellow people now as as if anyone could have, you know, a bomb strapped under their T-shirt or like be casually leaking, you know, radiation or something. Um, I just I miss the relaxed conviviality of the public domain, I think, is yeah. the way I would put it. It's like the the fear I experienced in the supermarket a couple of days ago when I wanted to cough. But and, I also didn't want people to turn on me. And you know it's because you have hay fever or something, but everyone around <laughs> you is going to think you've got you've got the plague. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been sneezing like every five minutes or every minute or whatever. Um, and all I can think about is how my upstairs flatmates must think that I have COVID and I'm contagious and they need to avoid me at all costs. And it's just this horrible, deep-set anxiety. Yeah. It's, yeah. Grim. I think there's going to be a lot of anxiety to work through when all this is, uh, well, it's never going to be done, is it? But when it's uh, when when things start to um, rewind a little bit. And what about you, Katie? I was, because uh, I've been like so deep in denial <laughs> recently. I've just been kind of living in this little bubble. I've kind of not really missed much in particular. I haven't been able to put my finger on it. But I think mostly what what I miss is like going for drives. I live in the countryside and uh, the town I live in is it's got everything I need. So I don't need to go anywhere else anyway. Um, but just outside of town, 
it's beautiful countryside and one of my favorite things to do is go for a drive around that countryside park up go for a walk and I just can't do that anymore and it's this feeling of like knowing I can't even though I might not have done it on that day anyway it's knowing that I can't it's this feeling of restriction um that I I really like I would like to get rid of um sort of underlying everything that I do I just know I just can't do it it's it's a weird thing to explain it's just an overbearing sense of restriction um and I miss just the freedom of being able to be like right where am I going today I'm going to go to Lake District I'm going to go to the Yorkshire Dales because neither are too far away from me uh, mm-hmm. And like, I might not see those places for, I don't even want to say how long. And this sounds really weird, but I have like special favorite spots there and like different trees and stuff. And <laughs> I wanted to go and see the springs. <laughs> I know they've got great blossom or go and take some pictures of a waterfall. I know is really nice at this time of year, for example, and I'm just not going to get to see it this year. And that sucks. Um, and for a while I was kind of thinking to myself, well, don't think about it because you just upset yourself. I think you just got to let yourself agree that it does suck. Like you're allowed mm. to be sad about those stu- like seemingly stupid little things. That's like what makes up your life. These little things that make you happy. So yeah, I'm allowed to be sad that I can't see a particular tree. <laughs> it's like, it's not Absolutely. dumb to me. So yeah. Absolutely. I have to say that, uh, that rings, that rings very true with me as well. The last couple of days, um, just that, as you were saying, that freedom, whether you, whether you take it or not, to be allowed to go outside, to be able to, to, to be able to just say to the person you're living with, I'm going out for a bit. I'll be back home soon. Absolutely. Do you know what as well? I picked up a book this morning and I was like, I might take this down the pub to read. Oh wait, I can't. And it was just, it's still happening to me. And every time it happens, I have a little bit more of a spiral. I just, I want that to stop. I want to kind of get a realization, like get a grip, Katie. You can't do that. <laughs> stop doing this to yourself. <laughs> Um, my Cantillon is running low, um, and we're getting towards the end of the show. Uh, this is this this is a little segment just before we wrap up, where uh, my guests and myself, uh, if we've noticed anything online on Twitter or other social media that has either irked us or encouraged us about the last couple of weeks, we can sound off about it and complain. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna flag something. I I declined the opportunity to say anything on Tuesday's show, but today, um, uh. In Belgium, they announced that schools are likely to open on May 18th, but that does not include the schools of my children. And I did not appreciate the people who kept saying, oh, well, the schools probably won't open until September, because even if the schools don't open until September, I don't want to think about it. I still want to think that they will open before the summer holidays, because otherwise, well, unforgivable things will happen in my household. (laughs) (laughs) What about you guys? Nothing specifically online. Um, I'm furious at the pollen count because um, <laughs> it's destroying me. Um, and one thing that I'm just always angry about that I thought about the other day is that they never called, like the, the film Now You See Me, they didn't call the sequel Now You Now You Don't. They called it Now You See Me Too. Um, what? <laughs> and I'm perpetually furious about that. And I just wanted to get that off my chest because fuck those guys. Have you written a letter to Jesse Eisenberg to tell him, you know... I haven't, because he seems like a dick and he probably wouldn't respond. Um, and I'm not going to waste my energy on him, so... Do you, know, do you know he doesn't actually watch any of his films? Of course he doesn't, prick. Which might explain one or two of his missteps. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, I, 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 I like the social network if he's listening. Um, 
I saw it. He didn't. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> what about you? Other the other two? Anything? Um, you don't need to. It can be positive too. Well, okay. Um, so Lily is actually like the ringleader of this. So I'm gonna put her on blast for a minute. But all of Good Beer Hunting on our Slack has seemingly decided <laughs> it's very funny to make fun of me for not liking tuna salad sandwiches okay listen it's the grossest food you could possibly think of it's canned tuna which smells like barf mixed with mayo which is the worst condiment smashed between like sweaty little layers of bread like are you kidding me this food literally looks like it has been sitting on a manchester pavement for three days in the rain it is not acceptable and and this campaign of hate around me not liking tuna is extremely disrespectful, and I will not stand for it. Um, so that is my entry. <laughs> we even have a hashtag. It's uh, hashtag tuna for Claire. Um, <laughs> and it came up again on our uh, Good Bounding Slack today. Um, and honestly, it just brings me joy every time it does, because Claire gets so upset. Um, and everyone just piled on, because why wouldn't you like tuna? It's, it's so gross. It smells bad and tastes worse. But also, you Lily smell has... bad and taste worse. <laughs> <laughs> Lily has been using this hashtag to solicit tuna companies on Twitter to send me mass quantities of free tuna. This is oh no, I can't think of anything worse. I mean, I'm with you on tuna. I think it's. I think it's. <gasps> yes, I mean, I knew you were a comrade. I mean, Anybody oh, who knows no. me well enough knows that I believe all fish should stay in the sea where it belongs, um, <laughs> tuna included. But you lost me at mayonnaise. I have to say, as a as a decade long resident in Belgium, I have been turned to the ways of the mayonnaise. Um, but yeah, <laughs> tuna can get tuna can get in the sea. Hey. I'm outraged. I'm more furious <laughs> about this than I am about bloody now. You see me too. <laughs> Katie, are you in the tuna camp or the non-tuna camp? I actually love a tuna sandwich. I'm not yes. going to lie. Um, and I really like grilled tuna cheese sandwiches. Where yes. It's like melty. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yes. I knew it's I could count on you, Shiny Biscuit. Hell yeah. Tuna all the way. We should do a Twitter poll because we need to <laughs> split we this deadlock. We should do a Twitter poll. Owen, can you arrange this? <laughs> to tuna or not to tuna? <laughs> That is the question, just... whether it is nobler in the mind and the cans of tuna fish. <laughs> <laughs> to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous tuna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll get right on that. Amazing. Thanks. Um, but this is my podcast, so I will uh, rule that tuna sucks and uh, you should never, ever eat it. Um, and on that note... Um, we're going to wrap up the show for today. It's been a fantastic <laughs> uh, and, and uplifting conversation for me, at least, after a difficult day. Um, but Good. before we go, this is a chance for you guys to give any shout out to any work that you've recently done um, that's online, offline, wherever, where people can find you. Um, Katie, uh, do you have anything that you want to give a bit of a boost to before we go? Uh, yeah, just um, sign up to my newsletter, The Gulp. Um, you can find the link in my pinned tweet. Um, and that's about it at the moment. Really, I've not really done a lot of other work, so yeah, just just do that, <laughs> please, <laughs> please. 
<laughs> uh, and Lily, anything from you that we can expect coming up? Um, I'll obviously put the a link to the article we talked about earlier on in the show notes as well. Cool. Um, I've got a few pieces, I think, coming up from a couple of different publications. Um, but the thing I want to plug is I'm going to be self-publishing my first zine soon. Um, I've been missing pubs, so I've been cycling all over London taking photos of pubs, and I'm going to publish that as a photography zine. So I'll put that up online within the next couple of weeks. Um, and, yeah, you should buy that because that would be great. And keep an eye out for it. And yes. Claire, what about you? I think ever since becoming an editor, my I have been doing less and less writing of my own, which seems to be the inevitable path. But I did manage to actually publish something last month for the first time in a while uh, on Good Beer Hunting. Um, it's called An Invincible Winter Exploring the Lager Cellars of the Czech Republic. Um, it's pretty short, has a bunch of photos. So if you want a little bit of escapism, um, then yeah, give it a read. That'd be nice. Perfect. It's really well, I'll, uh, I'll tag all... I'll tag all that stuff in um, in the show notes and when we publish it on Twitter. Uh, but for now, thank you to Claire, to Lily and to Katie for coming on the show. Um, it was a great conversation. Uh, I look forward to having you back on again in a future episode. Hopefully we won't have to do too many more of these. Uh, that's my hope anyway. Uh, but for now, stay safe, stay well and uh, take care of yourselves. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Thanks Owen. Bye. Take Bye. care. And that's it for today's episode of Cabin Fever. Many thanks to our guests and to all you listeners out there. If you enjoyed today's show, do make sure to subscribe and we'd really appreciate it if you'd give us a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. Until the next time.